Welcome to Nintendo Dads, episode 264, recorded live on January the 23rd, 2020. On tonight's show, we're joined by Patreon producer Sean Abbott, and we're going to talk about leaks, about Metroid and Paper Mario, Microsoft and Nintendo's relationship, Tokyo Mirage Sessions, Sharp FE Encore with Knuckles plus whatever else, and so much more. Jesse, cue that sweet, sweet music. Oh, wrong button. Oh, guys, welcome to Nintendo Dads, episode 264. My name is Marty Estes, and Jesse Waldack is fired. Uh, <laughs> joining me this Music evening, is so uh, good. You know what? Here's the deal. It is good. It's fine. People like it. <laughs> we'll hire you back and double your salary. Uh, <laughs> Great. It's January. Yeah, it's January 23rd, 2020. And uh, we are here once again for a heap and helping the Nintendo news and views from the guys and the dad bods over here at Nintendo Dads. Joining me tonight on the show, Mr. Jesse Waldack. How are you doing, sir? Pretty good. Yeah, when I was playing playing that game yesterday, I'm like, I need to sneak some music in. So I got, I got my chance. There you go. <laughs> there you go. The game he's referring to, by the way, Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp FE Encore, which is the big Nintendo first-party game for this month. Uh, otherwise known as the game that kept Super Mario 3D World from being ported to the Switch so far. I'm kind of bitter. Um, speaking of bitter, uh, a couple, a little bit of uh, bad news. Tim Off was supposed to join us on the show tonight. Uh, Tim has had a bit of a family emergency, and he is not going to get to be with us. But joining us tonight from across the pond, no, it's not Gary Gray. It's Patreon producer Sean Abbott. How you doing, Sean? I'm very, really good. I'm on my second big cup of coffee. Um, constantly scanning my notes to see if there's anything that I can drop down really quickly. Yeah, yeah. happy to be here. Awesome. We're happy to have you. We want to thank you for being a Patreon producer. Uh, and we want to thank you for getting up at four in the morning. Actually, earlier than four in the morning. It's four in the morning right there right now. Uh, yeah. But we want to thank you for braving the uh, the early hours to be a part of the show. No, it's fine. I had to sneak downstairs past the dog and try not to wake my youngest son up because otherwise I'd be um, in the bad books. But yeah. Yeah, excited. <laughs> I, I kind of I expect you to be like that guy who was uh, about a year or so ago who's given a news report, and the, he's like in, in his house, and the door opens behind him, and the kids coming in, like trying to get in and do that. That that's yeah. When yeah, we might see that happen. <laughs> uh, sounds hey, like look. sounds like my house when I first started working from home when the kids were still young. Yep, dad, dad. No, I'm working right now. Uh, and, and we're going to do some work tonight. We've got a lot to talk about and uh, lots of, to discuss as well. And so, Jesse, let's bring up the news. And, of course, our news is brought to us each and every week by you fine folks over at patreon.com backslash Nintendo Dads, where for as little as a dollar a month, you can change the world and join the dad bod movement. 
and get access to all kinds of cool stuff like our Discord, weekly polls that help shape the show, uh, Dads After Dark, a brand new show that is getting its own brand new feed sometime within the next couple of weeks. Uh, John and Drew doing a great job over there, uh, hitting some of the corners of Nintendo fandom that we don't hit here on the show. Um, as evidenced by their new show, Switch Hotties. I haven't listened to it yet, but it's in like you. That's a thing. Uh, (laughs) And uh, so, uh, guys, they're doing some great work. Monthly Mayhem is going to be moving over there to the Dads After Dark show as well. And there's tons of other stuff coming to you. In fact, right now, for $5 and up patrons, you have the ability to pop over to patreon.com backslash Nintendo Dads and ask Justin Masson anything. You say anything? Yes, anything. Anything within reason, okay? I mean, it's still going to be family-friendly. But, uh, like, here's some things you might want to ask him. Justin, do you wear boxers or briefs? Justin, how many 10-bits can you fit in your mouth at one time? (laughs) Justin, is your blood type really maple syrup? (laughs) Those those questions and so much more can be answered by you or can be answered by Justin when you ask them over uh, at patreon.com backslash Nintendo Dads. And if you back at the producer level, you're like, Sean, guess what? You get to come and be on the show. And you're going to be seeing more of our Patreon producers over the next few weeks. We've already booked appearances for Chris Mears. We've already booked appearance for Dave Ernsberger. And uh, we're excited about what's coming down the pike. But here's the other thing I need to tell you guys about. We have brand new patrons tonight here at Nintendo Dads. Two brand new patrons of the show. We're so uh, happy about these Um I'm, I'm pulling them up. I'm so happy about them. We're pulling them up as as I speak. Weatherman Keith has joined us as a patron. And also Presto Whitney has joined us as a patron. And so, guys, thank you so very much for becoming patrons of the show. Again, even as little as a dollar a month uh, gets you access to Discord and so much more. Uh, and we would love for you to go over there to patreon.com backslash Nintendo Dads and be a part of it. Now, got that out of the way, let's dive into some news. One of the things we've been doing lately over on our Patreon is asking you guys to vote on and talk about uh, show topics and polls uh, or a poll for the show topics of what you'd like to hear us talk about most. And so that doesn't necessarily guarantee everything we're going to talk about, but a particularly well-voted hot topic is going to be our topic of the week. And this week, that topic is a leak from this week that stated that a brand new 2D Metroid and a traditional Paper Mario game will come to the Switch this year. That is 2020. Now, where there's smoke, there's fire. Sometimes uh, this leak comes from a very reputable leak source um, on Twitter. And we are not going to give away the name of that source because we don't do that. Uh, But it is, yeah, this is a person who is pretty well known among the Nintendo leak community. 
someone who got a cease and desist last year around E3 time because their predictions were all coming true, and someone who has continually been right since then. So here's my question. How credible do we think this leak is, and how excited are you that we're getting another Metroid game? (laughs) Because I guess that should tell you how credible I think it is. Sean, we'll start with you. I mean, what do you think about this? Um, I've not really looked into the leak because I tend not to look into leaks. I don't see trusting them too much. I'll get my hopes up too high. But a new Metroid would be amazing. Um, I think I've played a new Metroid since the Wii era. So I'm very much looking forward to that if it is true. Paper Mario um, isn't something I've very much played. Um, kind of Nintendo kind of died off for me a little bit in the early years of the Wii um, I've only just rekindled my fire with that since the Switch came out but yeah a new Metroid would be amazing I like going back and playing the old ones um, especially SNES ones that have come to the Switch as a part that's been one of the things that I keep going to back and forth back and forth but yeah, um, any news about that would be great news. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jesse, what do you think? What's what's the likelihood here, over, under, what, however you want to call it? Uh, hard for me to answer that, but uh, but the fact that he, you know, he's gotten, he has gotten predictions right before and had got a C indeed, he'd, uh, it's, uh, I would say these are probably likely, you know, so, so, but again, you know, oh, we've been burned more than once on several likely predictions. So, you know, I'm not going to start adding it to my future release list until it's officially announced. But if this is true, I am looking forward to seeing what they do with it with a new 2D Metroid. Kind of hoping they don't do what they did with that Samus Returns because I wasn't necessarily a fan of the, uh, of the, the melee attack mechanic. But, uh, like, the the GBA uh, 2D games are probably my favorite Metroid games in the entire oh, yeah. series. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not a fan of Prime, so I'm, I'm glad I might get something that I might be enjoying, out, you know, outside of Prime, which everyone else will enjoy. Yeah, if we could get, uh, uh, finally get that sequel to Metroid Fusion, and... You know, I think at one time that was called Metroid Dread. Uh, that would be really cool. I would I would be super excited about that. Uh, what I'm hoping it's not is a Super Metroid remake. I agree. I kind of because if they if they do remake that, they might put in some of the re- other previous remake elements that I talked about that I wasn't a fan of. Right. Well, to me, I think that. If you finish, and I, I, Samus Returns is probably out of spoiler territory. I mean, like it's been out for a while. I would say that's that's okay. fair. Yeah. So at the end, you know, they add to the game uh, after the the fight with the Queen Metroid. You you know you take the Metroid 
uh, baby Metroid back to your ship like you do in the Game Boy game, except there you're met by Ridley and you have this pretty awesome fight with him before you're able to ex- escape. And the end of the, you know, like an end credit sequence shows the X parasite from Metroid Fusion. And so to me, that would lead me to believe that, you know, there's a, that was a little bit of foreshadowing is a little bit of seed planting for what we're going to be getting in the future. But I like, I'm like you, like I'll believe a 2d Metroid when I see it, but like, I so want this to be true because I don't like prime. I played through Metroid prime one. I I finished it. Finally, uh, I made it about 25% of the way through Metroid prime two and did not care for it one bit. I actually really gave it a fair shake, did not care for it, um, and have never played three. So, and I know that's a cardinal yeah. sin. I played more of three than the than the other two. Yeah, like I know that that's a cardinal sin among Metroid fans, a lot of them, because they're like, you know, Prime is the, for a lot of people, is the end-all be-all. But I, I, I just, it did not click with me. And so... I, I'm not really hyped for Metroid Prime 4. I'm hoping that it does do some things better. I mean, I'll probably play it, but this this news is really, really good. But I'm on the other hand, on the other side of this leak, I'm not a like I'm not the type of person who's really hated what they've done with Paper Mario in, in recent years. Like I thought Super Paper Mario was great uh, on the Wii, and oh, Paper yes. Mario Co- Color Splash was okay. Yeah, but if I, it went back to the I, traditional stuff, then I'd be okay with that too. Yeah, I, I'm. I would. Yeah, I think Sticker Star started this decline, and uh, and I didn't. I didn't like Color Splash either. It's be, not because of the paper aspect; it's because how they messed with the cards. And I was not a fan of that. But uh, you know, if, if they do a, a, an N64 GameCube like Paper Mario game, I'm all in. Yeah. Sean, did you play um, Color Splash? Uh, no. Um, not really. I didn't. I think the first Mario had a little bit of a, a dabble with that. Um, and then I didn't pick anything up after that. It, it didn't really tick any boxes for me. I liked uh, after Mario 64. Um, it kind of, the 2D Mario kind of, for me, went out the window for a little bit. And I because I enjoyed the open world you run around, lots of different views. Um, I've only just really got back into the 2D Mario with the, um, the part from the Wii U, Super Mario Deluxe. Um, but other than that, I haven't played a 2D Mario for a very long time. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah I, but I will have to agree with Jesse here. Sticker Star and Color Splash. Color Splash was a great game, and Sticker Star, I mean, both of them are the one thing about paper Mario games are always well-written. They're humorous. You know, they've, they've got a lot of like little Easter eggs and things in them, but sticker star and color splash randomizing your attacks. And, and actually like you being able to run out of attack uh, because you didn't have enough cards or enough pain or stickers or whatever is pretty crappy. I <laughs> like, yeah. there's no way around. Paper Jam, I, I liked for the most part, but near the end game when they started introducing uh, shiny enemies, you know, again another throwback from Sticker Star. That there was this one mandatory fight that involved a shiny. Uh, I'm like, I hit a brick wall. Yeah, 
They're, the Shinies were turds. I mean, seriously. I quit that game, too. I, I just YouTubed the rest of it because I didn't. I got to a point where I didn't care. And that's sad. But, uh, like, here's what we know, and here's where I think there could be some credibility to this, is that just like in 2019, I mean, seriously, guys, we sat here in January of 2019 and we bemoaned the the state of the Switch release calendar for the rest of the year. <clears throat> Remember that? Right. It was like, it's like, oh man, it's only Mario Deluxe and we don't know anything that's coming out after March. And then by September, we were going, please, Nintendo, have mercy on us, right? Please stop releasing so many games. Uh, and so, like, oh, right. I think. So, so while this year, I don't think anyone's complaining, mainly because they want the break from from the end of the last year. And they've seen what happened last year, and we, we know more stuff's coming that they have, aren't announced yet. So I don't, the, the voices aren't as loud this time yeah, around as the world. I think year. that. But I think that's why I'm giving more credence to this rumor or leak or whatever, because if we very well could see this, it's, this is stuff that could very well be revealed in a, in a direct here in a couple weeks. It can be revealed at E3. Uh, 2D Metroid or Paper Mario could be the big game to be revealed at E3. Who knows? Uh, I, I do know that we'll probably get two directs, right? Between now and E3. That's yeah, usually what we get. Yeah, I think I, of just of non-game specific, so general directs. I think that's including the one a week before E three. I think, I think we normally get one a little before E three, and then we have like the big E three event uh, yeah. on that that Tuesday morning. And ha- hadn't that traditionally the last couple of years? It's been a Pokemon direct, right? Usually, yeah. But yeah, I think we'll. we'll I, I think we'll. You know, we're still waiting for. The Animal Crossing Direct. We're still waiting for a gen- at least one general direct before E3. So th- they- they've got time to share the information. Yeah, this yeah. Is, I, think, I think it'd be a good start to the year for them. I think um, it'd definitely bring a nice bit of little revenue leading up to E3, um, keep people's appetites wet for E3 as well. Uh, I know for a fact I'd, I'd probably try Paper Mario. Uh, definitely be getting hold of the new Metroid as soon as possible. So it definitely um, get me excited leading up to E3. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's a lot to I think look forward to that we just don't know about yet, right? Like there's there's definitely stuff out there we just we don't know. <laughs> and, and we don't know, and some people do. Um, speaking of people who do know, let's talk about this next topic here. Tom Phillips, who is a writer for the magazine and website Eurogamer, uh, was quoted this week in saying that Microsoft is eager to explore the Nintendo Switch. Uh, actually, the full quote is this Horizon will be followed by others down the road. He's talking about Horizon Zero Dawn coming to PC, which is pretty big as a Sony exclusive. It's now coming to PC, which means so I actually, you know, I don't know if it will that Jesse, help me out here. Will that mean that it will fall under the umbrella of game pass ever? If it comes out on Xbox, it might be, but yeah. 
But just being on PC doesn't mean that it's going to be like Microsoft is making that happen or that they're in charge of that. Right. Microsoft may not have anything to do with it. You know, it might, especially, you know, if, if they sell it on, on, in their storefront, then maybe, but you know, normally if games on PC, it'll be sold through Epic Game Store or Steam and Microsoft has nothing to do with it. Right. So here's his quote. He says, Horizon, meaning Horizon Zero Dawn, will be followed by others down the road. You don't need to dream too hard to guess. But Xbox is already well established on in launching games on PC at the same time and eager to explore Switch. Now, what we know from this past year is Microsoft and Nintendo have had a really great relationship as of late we've gotten cuphead we've gotten ori and the blind forest we've gotten new super lucky's tale which was formerly an xbox exclusive game uh and one would have to assume down the road probably other games coming over as well that were exclusive to xbox at the time um but i I just want to talk about like what do we what do we make of this statement like eager to explore the switch um, Sean, what do you think that means? What, what do you think Tom's getting at there? Uh, possibly the arcadey style games from the, from the Xbox Store. So one that I've been playing recently, um, like Descenders, I think that would do quite well on the Switch as a pick-up-and-play. Um, but other games along that that don't take massive amounts of computing power to run really well. Um, I think little things like that it'll probably make some money in the uh, Nintendo store people will pick them up quite readily because there's a lot of games on the Nintendo, on the Xbox store that I don't play because I think it's a bit better on a handheld rather than looking at a big screen um, I think that might be one of the things that would be interesting for them to explore on the Switch is it's a games that do better handheld or with a bit more motion control. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. What, what, Jesse, what about you? Well, I'm not sure what that means. You know, we've all been kind of hoping that we see more things from Microsoft on the switch. Uh, it could be more games. It could be X cloud. It could be game pass. Or a combination, you know, a combination of the three, uh, but we don't, we just don't know, you know, don't know what else it could be. But definitely, we're hoping something happens. I'm not sure what the, anything of this has to do with Horizon Zero Dawn, since that was a Sony published game. So that problem, this has nothing to do with any of this. So I'm not even sure. So I'm kind of curious why the article's it, even bringing it up. Right. Well, I think that it's. It's a huge deal that Sony is allowing one of its in-house developed titles to move outside of its ecosystem because it's not in-house either. This from uh, the developer was Guerrilla, which has done Killzone games in the for a while, and then a a few a few games before that in the. You know, even had an Xbox release, uh, but yeah, they've been so it's pro- it's probably been equivalent equivalent of like intelligent systems to Nintendo, like a second party 
Sure. They've done like they did Shell Shock on Shell Shock Nam 67 on Xbox way back in the day. Uh, and they've done a couple of <coughs> excuse me, they actually did a couple of Game Boy Color games back in the day. But here here I guess my point on that was that since you know the mid 2000s they've been a Sony exclusive developer, right? Yeah. And Horizon has been locked to the Sony to the to the PlayStation for as long as I can remember and, and it was supposed to be that way. It was the only way you could play it. And now all of a sudden here we're going to have the chance to do this um you know outside of outside of the PlayStation and uh, some people are calling this the uh, the first advent of a um they called it an ag- a console agnostic future. Well, I don't think we're quite there yet. You know, the, the game no. the game is almost 3 years old. You know, it, you know, it, it came out a week before Breath of the Wild. Uh, <laughs> um, I bought I'm, the I'm, complete edition last Christmas for nine bucks. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm looking at the GameFAQs page, and there's a, a a link that says you can buy it on Amazon for 15 bucks. So they'll probably sell it on PC for 20 So this is, I think, this is more of a, we're not going to get any more revenue, so let's squeeze it way from let's any, any other way we can yeah let's find a way to, to to make some more money off this i no i totally agree with that uh i don't think that anybody is thinking that the floodgates are just going to fly wide open right here but it could be the start of something and i think that's kind of what they're getting at is that something like this you know could show that people companies and developers are getting more open to games being on more things and i'm like you that i'm hoping that it's that what Microsoft does bring to the Switch is more like Game Pass or xCloud. And they've said that in the past, you know, that they want to get Game Pass on as many consoles and many right. platforms as possible. Yeah, because Xbox, Xbox, Xbox has already been in a place where, you know, they're they're in last place in the, in the console sales this generation. They, they're trying to squeeze out as many game sales as possible through no matter what plat- the platform is, they don't care. Where yeah. Sony is the other end of that spectrum. They have the number one selling platform and would like, to, I'm sure would like to hold on to it. So, but so this, I don't see this as opening the floodgates for multiple other Sony games coming out. It'll pro- probably be a slow trickle once they are at least three years in the market. Then, of so whether we will, will we see Spider Man next year? Probably not, but it's a possibility. It, yeah, it's a. I would. I think that's a good word for it. Possibility, but probably not. Uh, if anything from from Microsoft comes over to the Switch in 2020, what do you think is the most likely? What do you What do you guys think is the most likely candidates to be brought over to the Switch? Uh, wow. Um, I'm not sure. And. Cuphead did so well coming across the platform shooter style. Um, I, I'd imagine more things like that. Anything along those lines would be snapped up really well. I'm trying to draw my mind now to any that have sort of appeared on the Xbox store list that I thought, ooh, that'd be nice. But uh, it's early. <laughs> yeah. um, my problem is I just don't know many what what games are the xbox exclusives i've i have not tracked it i haven't paid attention to it so i'm not sure uh, uh 
in the chat, rare, rare replay. I suppose that's a good one. And uh, the only other that was going to be can, my vote. The only other one I can think of is maybe like a Sea of Thieves. You know, sea of Thieves has been one that Justin has been mentioning for a while, right. and I, I don't know if it would be that. I, I wonder if it could be Crackdown. Oh, yeah. See, I don't even know what that is. So it's probably a shooter, which is why I don't know what it it is. It's kind of like futuristic (laughs) Grand Theft Auto, except you're a policeman. But you can also do horrible things if you want to. Yes. The original one came out on the 360, and I think the newest one just came out on the one not long ago. That's why I don't know about it. And that's fair. So, I mean, I think those would be good options. If If you're sitting there tonight... Or, or today as you're listening to this and you're thinking that Microsoft is interested or eager to explore the Switch means that Master Chief is coming to the Switch. You're wrong. <laughs> I really think you're wrong. I don't think they're I don't think they're gonna take that big a leap. I think the biggest, most easiest, most well fit connection is Banjo. It's like really. It's Banjo Kazooie. Yeah, letting him come back to uh to Nintendo would be a good move. Let him come back to the Nintendo or Nintendo and Microsoft co-develop a brand new banjo game. There you go. Prediction. Uh, (laughs) Jesse, let's talk about a game you've been playing uh, over the last week that you said earlier before the show started and our our pre-show audio patrons get this. This game has kept you up past midnight a couple of nights this week, uh, past uh, 1 a.m. even. Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp FE Encore came out last Friday. Uh, this is a game you played on the Wii U. You've picked it up now. Actually, we were uh, given a download code for it, and you're playing through it for us. Uh, we want to take some time here to just talk about early impressions because this is not a game that anybody is really legitimately going to finish in a week. Uh, it's a long game. Uh, it's got a lot of grinding, a lot of JRPG elements. Uh, and so we want to just take a minute to to let Jesse talk about this and share his impressions of the game. But also our patrons wrote in, a couple of our patrons wrote in about uh, their impressions of the game that they've been playing. So, Jesse, take it away. Tell us about Tokyo Mirage Sessions, Sessions Sharp FE Encore. It's, hard, it's like a mouthful. It's like it a is. song in itself. Yeah, so... For people who are familiar with other Shimagami Tensei series, I think the first thing that they'll see, and I think Roger said this exact thing because I, I watched his some of his some of his playthroughs, is this looks like Persona, and yes, it is very Persona-like. So if you're a fan of like Persona Four, or Persona Five, you might you know get a kick out of this one. So it's your you know a high schooler that's mixing your normal life. With fighting fighting monsters in in another world, again, that where instead of persona, you have mirages, and the and instead of the these the personas being various mythical creatures from various cultures, these are characters out of Fire Emblem, and. Excuse me. So uh, your your character gets Krom, uh, the your your friend uh, Tasaba gets uh, Seda, uh, and uh, 
Kyria gets uh, Tharia, and uh, I don't remember the other ones off the top of my head because I, I, I'm still relatively early in the game. And then uh, there's even and some of the enemies you fight are also enemies from Fire Emblem as well. So, of course, I, di- I didn't know this because I've never, I'm not that familiar with the Fire Emblem franchise. So, but I've uh, picked up things from Roger's reactions when he's played through it. Like a lot of the music cues, it's like when a new a new person joins your party when you level up, when you your vic- the victory music also come out of Fire Emblem. So, like, oh, that's cool. But you know they're they're short little catchy jingles anyway that that fit the tone of the game. But the fact that they're now they're inspired by Fire Emblem, I think, is even cooler. So it's and I don't remember how many chapters there are total. I'm currently in the I'm just starting chapter three. So starting so between between chapters, there's an intermission time where you is pretty much a free reign. You can do side quests. You can go back into previous dungeons to farm XP, farm items, usually dependent on what side quests you're working on. And, uh, and a lot of the side quests are optional, but to, to like normal, highly recommended because they'll give you items or abilities that you wouldn't or ordinarily have. And but this game, the, the Switch version does add new content over what was in the Wii U. So I just uh, came across a few of them within the last hour. So like they have additional costumes that can be unlocked. So I just unlocked one that has my character dressed similar to Joker from Persona 5. And uh, you can uh, have Tiki dressed in different outfits, who's normally not in battle, but you, you work with her to give you more abil- the new abilities to craft the new weapons. So I, so giving her different outfits is new. And then they, in, in combat, they have a, f- uh, the, the combat system is also very persona like. So you know, it's uh, elemental strengths, weaknesses. It's not quite the, the fire emblem weapons triangle, but they still break out swords versus lances versus I forget the other type that they use, though which monsters and people can be individually strength or weak or indifferent to each type. Then in combat they have what they call a session that builds a chain of attacks like a combo. So like if my my character has a lance fire if someone else does a lance attack that does a critical hit or uh, or is a strong, a strong attack against it, then it'll chain it with a fire attack. And if someone has a fire blizzard and I trigger my fire, then that gets changed with her blizzard and can, you know, in the end game, you're going to get these things that are seven, eight, nine chains long and you almost have to, to in order to beat some of the bosses, if I remember right. <laughs> anyway, so another thing that's new is characters that you don't control will be able to be to get these moves to they can join in in the combo as well. So I just unlocked a tiki move that's magic fire. So if any any of my players does a magic attack, then she can count add to the, to the chain with a fire. 
where that didn't happen at all in the Wii U version. Wow. So it's to me that sounds incredibly complicated. Probably to other people that sounds delightful. Yeah, yeah. Just like all RPGs, they have multiple systems stacked on top of each other. But since in this game, most of the systems are based on Persona, and I've been playing Persona games for 12, 15 years now, so I have a good understanding of the of that type of system. So obviously, if you've never played one, I can see how it does make is can be confusing at first. But uh, it usually it and it is confusing at first because the combos will just fire off without you doing knowing why. But in time, you kind of piece together, oh, this is why it happened. Gotcha. So a quick look at how to beat or how long to beat.com says that the original version of this game takes 49 hours to complete the main story, 63 hours to complete the main plus extra. And if you want to be a completionist, it's 110 hours. Um, so lots of game here. Yeah, I do remember I did not finish the Wii U game, but I think I put at least 50 hours in. Yeah, so yeah. like I if said, I still had my Wii U, I would launch it and check, but I uh, I don't have it. Lots, I, lots, and lots to do here. Yeah, so so I get you know, I'm just starting chapter three, and I'm about seventeen hours in. All right, I, I've also been doing just about every quest and side quest that I can as I as they're introduced, just to try to get the extra abilities as fast as I can to help me later on in the game. Yeah, pretty smart. Uh, let's talk about this last news item here, uh, guys. It is January 23rd. We are now less than two months away from the launch of Animal Crossing. In fact, if you're keeping count, it's 57 days away. Why have we not seen more about Animal Crossing New Horizons? Sean, <laughs> I want to know what you think here. Why, why, are, why is Nintendo not giving us any information? I think with games like this that they literally have to drop a little bit at the end of a direct and the internet goes absolutely nuts with it's coming or this is great or this looks great I think Nintendo are doing something really smart here on building people's anticipation I think um, Animal Crossing is a game that I think I touched the mobile game last year but isn't a game that I've ever played before um, but with the amount of anticipation and the humor that I've seen at the end of directs, it's something that I think I'll probably pick up. I'll probably enjoy playing it with my youngest daughter. So I think that'll be very much, that'll be her jam. She'll like that sort of small world stuff. Um, so yeah, I can see the, the aspects of build anticipation. People know it's getting close. They're going to be hungry for more information. Yeah, I think there's been a really smart move by Nintendo, but as a consumer of Nintendo, it's, uh, yeah, why have we had so much darkness? Um, a lot of people out there at the moment, or other developers turning around and saying, oh no, we're having to delay. There's always that cloud looming that, is there going to be a delay? Is it really going to turn around and say, oh, we've got some final polishing to do? But yeah, there's a lot of darkness and worry and anticipation all linked together. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think for me, like, with as much as they 
showed us about Pokemon Sword and Shield before it launched um, and the amount of presentations that they had for that game, uh, even if they were like 10 minute or 20 minute, you know, there was a lot of communication. And this is a, I don't want to say it's as important as Pokemon, but it is as important as Pokemon because you've got a game that tons has a very rabid community. Um, they're very loyal. They they love Animal Crossing. And the only thing that's kind of tided them over to this point is a mobile game. We haven't had a proper console Animal Crossing since the Wii U. Or I mean the Wii, right? Right. There was there was one on Wii. It skipped the Wii U completely. So it it, it I think that for me, like I'm a, I'm an animal crossing fan. I wouldn't call myself a super fan of animal crossing. Like I like the games. I'll play them. I pick them up every one that comes out. But to me, it's a little disconcerting that we haven't heard anything yet. And that we haven't gotten like a focused animal crossing direct yet. Um, and that we're less than two months away. Now I could say this and then like tomorrow they could be like, Hey, we're going to have an animal crossing direct next Tuesday. Uh, or, you know, they'll just drop a video, but it seems to me that almost the message that's being communicated here is we don't have much to say about this. And, to me, that's worrisome because, like the very the last Animal Crossing game I bought was Happy Home Designer, and it was pretty much a tech demo for <laughs> Animal Crossing on mobile. You know what you could do with decoration. So, I, I like I'm just concerned. I want it to be good. I'm I'm like. I know a lot of people that day are like, I'm going to pick this up and Doom Eternal, right? But like, I'm not that that into Doom. So this is like my big mark. This is the big spring game. This is what I'm clearing my backlog for. And so I want it to be good, but I need to know, like, I need to know what's going on with Animal Crossing. And, and to that end, um, over on Discord, uh, we had a question that came in earlier and I'm pulling this up. I'm trying to find it. Um, it might take me just a minute, but uh, let's see here. Where did that go? Isn't that fun when you're trying to find something? It's like, yep, well, it's while, gone. While you're looking for that, um, I, some of the things I was thinking of is, you know, there's a, there's a lot of information to soak in with a new Pokemon game, where with Animal Crossing, there probably isn't as much. We probably, because I've only played the 3DS version and only for maybe about a month or two, but what I've picked up from that is a lot of the things that happen in the game kind of aren't things that really could have been shared in advance anyway. If they were, they would have completely lost the impact. So not really spoilery is to say, but even the events are not all that eventful. So... Mm. So, you know, they may have said everything they needed to say, other than, you know, remind us that it's coming. I think if it was going to be delayed again, they would have told us by now. I think the fact that we heard have not heard anything, I think is we're still on track for seven-week release or whatever it happens, works out to be. Right. Yeah, I'm... <laughs> 
I'm trying to find this and cannot find it. But basically, here's here's the question that was asked. I wanted to read it and I wanted to get the person who actually had you know was talking about it there. But uh, basically, what it was is that Tim uh, has talked about it in the past of Nintendo, uh, you know, switching over to an Animal Crossing Nintendo Switch Lite if it's offered. And the question was basically, do we think that that is still coming? Um, and do we, if it's coming, when do you think it will be announced? And if it's not like, if it's not announced by blank, when do you think, like, when is the cutoff? Like, when do we need to, to know, you know, like that, that it's coming or not coming? I I think, think, go ahead. So I think with the, the gap between Christmas and the longest month of the year when it comes to funds, January. Um, I think maybe here something end of January, beginning of February. Um, so I like boost Nintendo's uh, last quarter for the revenue and say, hey, look, here we go. Here's a nice new shiny product with a nice new shiny game that, you know, here you go. So I think, I think we, if we're going to hear anything, Anything it'll be, um, but a combination of a nicely designed Switch Lite would be quite nice. They did with the Pokemon one, the Pokemon Let's Go, Eevee and Pikachu. I like the designs of those, so it, yeah, it might be something that they try and push mid February or even drop a direct somewhere in February and link it in the end as an advertisement. Yeah, that's totally true. Like, I can see them doing a either a, a total Animal Crossing direct or a direct in February, and then being like, "Oh, and by the way, you can pick up the brand new Nintendo Switch Animal Crossing edition when the game releases on March twentieth." Yeah, I well, my thoughts on that is is they, they don't necessarily need a large uh, lead in. I think. I think they could still do an announcement on March 3rd or March, March 6th, you know, two weeks before release. And I, and saying this is coming out, you know, day and date with, with, with the game. Yeah. I think that's probably the latest, but, uh, and, but we've also seen them do the uh, special edition hardware that doesn't include the game come out slightly earlier than the game. So being released around March 6th might be a possibility as well. And of course, then we'd have the two week notice or more before that. So that's kind of where, where I'm, where I'm thinking about drop dead dates for this isn't happening. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, uh, for me, like I'm just kind of betting if we get past the end of February and we haven't heard anything about it, then you're probably not going to see one. Uh, we knew about the Pokemon version of the Switch Lite months ahead of time. Right. but uh, It was still, announced with the Switch Lite. Right. We, but we are still expecting a Direct that will mention Animal Crossing if we don't get a specific Animal Crossing Direct. If they do any hardware, it'll be mentioned there. If they have a Direct and don't mention hardware, then it's not, hap- then it's not happening. Yeah, that's true. 
That's true. Hey, uh, I want to circle back around before we move into our discussion topic for tonight. Uh, we had a couple of our patrons who wrote in about Fire Emblem, not Fire Emblem, Tokyo Mirage <laughs> Sessions, Sharp Fire Ooh, Emblem, whatever. You're, you're half right. Anyway, so they're uh, over on Patreon. Uh, Shiv UK said this. He said, I've played a few hours of Sharp FE. I'm totally enjoying it. Battle system is really interesting. Only negative so far. I wish they had found a way to let you understand what the characters are saying to each other during battles. And, yeah, that was my uh, con, even in the Wii U version, because you know you you hear you you don't hear the Mirage talking back to the human, but to hear the humans talking to each other and to the Mirage when it's their turn. And apparent and what what I've heard from other podcasts who from people who do understand Japanese is that it's actually useful information. Like, right. like this will trigger a, a session or, you know, things like that. So it would be, in, even if they Why would they not translate that? Right. You know, at least a little subtitle would, would be nice. But yeah, that's, but you know, they subtitle it's pretty much everything else. Wow. Okay. Uh, John Blanco says I'm about 11 hours into Tokyo Mirage sessions and yes, while it's a little bit a little bit too chatty and tapping A to pass dialogue is a little clunkier than it should be, tap A to finish text, tap A to advance, er, every, everything else I love about it. It's challenging. I can watch the attacks all day. Has cute ladies, fun side quests, love the song performances, and I actually have a good sense of direction about it, except the dungeons where I always feel lost. Fun to retrace steps and grind and find new items. This may end up as one of my very favorite RPGs in the end. Highly recommended. Wow. Pretty high praise for the game. So uh, if you're on the fence uh, and you love JRPGs and you want a game that might take anywhere between 65 and 110 hours to finish, but you can't understand what the characters are talking to each other about, Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp FD Encore is for you. With that being said, let's dive into our discussion topic. So this week we got an interesting question over on uh, Twitter. And basically it was this. Hey guys, what's in your backlog and what games have you given up on? (laughs) So uh, this is a pretty relevant question for me because... Uh, I made a New Year's resolution this year uh, that I feel like I can actually keep. Uh, it's not exercise. It's not eat less bacon. Uh, it is bust most of my backlog by the time the Animal Crossing comes out. And I have my backlog right here on my phone. And I'm going to pull this up right now. Um, my backlog is sitting at uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 games that I have to finish before March 30th or March 20th. Some of them very short games. Some of them I'm part of the way through. Some of them very long games. Uh, but I'm happy to report as of today, I have finished five games on that list, not counting the 16. So it was originally a 21-game list. I finished five of these games. Um, but games that are in my backlog, Pokemon Shield is in my backlog, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 is in my backlog, Cadence of Hyrule is in my backlog, The Tourist, Ukulele and the Impossible Lair, 
Uh, Untitled Goose Game, I've got like one chapter left on that. Steam World Quest is still in my backlog. Uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses, as well as a host of Sony games like God of War and Horizon Zero Dawn. And The Witcher 3 is also in there. Uh, so I have a lot of games that take a lot of hours. Um, Sean, what's in your backlog? Um, Spider-Man on the PS4. Um, I got the DLC packs, so I literally booted the PS4 up the other day uh, after it being there, collecting dust for a while. Um, I think I've got the last of the free DLC packs to do on that. Um, Luigi's Mansion 3. I'm yet to finish the end battle. Um, I've kind of gone through and tried to collect all the gems <laughs> before finishing the game. That, that end battle is battle. awful. That, I, I, that's one of my least favorite end boss fights in a game. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why it's taking so long is the amount of times I've had to restart that is unreal. Um, that's about it. I think Super Monkey Ball Banana Blitz HD, I think I picked that up for the wife because she loved Super Monkey Ball on the GameCube. Um, so I picked that up on the Switch and it's kind of one of those that I pick up if I've got half an hour, I just do a couple of levels. Um, it entertains the youngest. He likes watching the monkey in the ball. He's two years old. So <laughs> he likes to watch the monkey run and jump and drop. Um, but yeah, I don't really have much of a backlog because I don't get much time for new stuff. So it's just touching on old things all the time. So, But uh, as, a, as a game that I've given up on completely, um, Pokemon Let's Go. I just I got as far as I used to get with them when they were all on the handheld on the Game Boys, um, doing the the last few gym battles towards the end. It just it's one of those where you have to go back, grind, level everybody up. It's kind of like I don't have time for that at the moment. <laughs> yeah. I can I be able to take my switch into work, um, which is when I used to do most of the grinding and like building a backlog, but I current job i can't do that because i don't get much free time so it's kind of just as it yeah. is gotcha jesse what about you what's your backlog yeah well most of my backlog are games that are pretty much written off so i don't have a list so i'm actually looking at my switch now so we have brave dungeon plus dark witch's story bridge construction portal uh let's see the most of the collection of mana See what else? Uh, Grandia, uh, well, Grandia Two. I haven't even touched. And I did play a little bit of the first one. Octopath Traveler, and that's like that was most of them. And then uh, the the games that I are in my backlog that I do want to get to eventually are you know maybe finishing Pokemon Sword. That's that's on the fence. But uh, uh, I bought Fire Emblem. I kind of want to try to play that again. And uh, Dragon Quest 2 and 3. When I bought the trilogy, when, when when that was available in North America, the same day as that 11 came out. Yeah. So that's like basically just RPGs for you. Yeah. <laughs> and, and bridge builders. And Yeah. You know, RPGs and puzzle games is like 95% of that, what's on there. Bridge, Bridge Constructor <laughs> Portal was a good game. I need to go back and finish that one too. 
Uh, that's not even on my backlog. Like oh, I'm, I guess that's a game I've written off. Well, I even picked up Final Fantasy 15. I don't know why, other than it was on sale. But I figured I bought that knowing I wasn't ever going to touch it. So I don't even know why I bought it. I uh, I bought Final Fantasy 7 and Final Fantasy 9, and they've been launched on my Switch zero times. I have them. I have them on my Vita. If I really want to play them, I'll play them there. Yeah. So uh, for me, I think my game that I've written off, and I, well, I know I've written it off because uh, I traded it in, is Octopath Traveler. Uh, like I was so excited about that game, and got it and played like maybe two or three hours past the two or three hour demo, and it just stalled out. Like I, I couldn't. I couldn't do it anymore. Yeah, there was. I played the demo, and there was, there was just something about it that felt off to me. I don't know really what it was, but the the fact that the eight stories never really converged into one massive reason that just knowing that doesn't ever resolve itself. It's like this not appealing to me. My question is this: is why can Square Enix not give us a nice? 2D turn-based RPG that does not have some kind of crappy gimmick for the battle system. There's the Bravely or the default system in Bravely Default. There's the whatever you do in Octopath Traveler. Just let me press the attack button. I mean, is it that hard? Like you don't have to have a gimmick see, for every see, battle se- battle dra- sequence. Dragon Quest is awesome. You can just say do what you want and let the NPCs play themselves. They'll That's probably right. Better, they'll probably make better See, decisions than you would. And the thing is, is I, that's probably why I need to play Dragon Quest Eleven and reignite my love of RPGs. I, I loved the demo. I thought it was great. Because it, it didn't have all this, hey, I've got to gamble with my points and I've got to do this and I've got to do that to make an attack and then bust their defenses so I can hit them. I don't care about all that. Yeah, those Just are, let me uh, attack enemies. Yeah, those are normally the types of, like uh, like Xenoblade. I, I couldn't gra- get a grasp of that combat system. It's, you know, if you, unless you can do do the combo needed to break the de- the defenses, you're not going to go far. Yep. Uh, th- I think that that probably was what shut me down on Octopath more than anything was the battle system. So I traded it in and got 30 bucks for it, and I don't even care. I mean, it, it turned into something else. So that's fine with me. Uh, guys, that is our news and our discussion topics. Let's move on and talk about what we've been playing. Sean, it is a long-held Nintendo Dad's tradition that we start with our guest when we talk about what we've been playing. So, what have you been playing? Um, I've got a list of Nintendos and Nintendos. Um, so, we went away at New Year to stop in a lodge to celebrate the turn of the decade. Um, and we took the Switch with us, so we played a lot of party games. So, we had Mario Party, Mario Kart, Super Monkey Ball, um, just because there was me, the wife, four children, and then another family. So, like, they came across to our lodge, and we sort of like tried to, as much as we could, between the norovirus taking over the uh, the lodge, <laughs> um, we tried to play a lot of party games. 
Other than that, I've been back on Zelda Breath of the Wild. I've launched it up with the master mode. Um, I'm trying my hardest to get through the master mode. It's proving very, very difficult. They call it master mode for a reason. Um, as for Nintendo stuff, I fired up the PlayStation 4, like I said earlier, to pick up G- Gran Turismo Sport. Um, the wife got me a Formula One simulator experience for Christmas. So we've got the PS4 VR, so I've been sort of like trying to get some lap times in because I'm going with my brother-in-law um, and it's a bit of a race against other people as well. So I kind of try and get some practice laps in. And, but yeah, other than that, not a great deal. Um, we've been quite busy in the house with the wife starting a new job and I've been moving bedrooms around for the kids. So I've not had a great amount of time to play anything over the last couple of weeks. Gotcha. Uh, what about you, Jesse? Yeah, so uh, yeah, well, I already talked a bit about Tokyo Mirage Sessions, so I won't add more time on that because uh, the other game I've been playing is uh, before starting uh, Sharp FE, I was continuing Dragon Quest Eleven as Echoes of Elusive Age Definitive Edition. That's another mouthful. I was hoping to t- try to finish it. Actually, you know, actually, you know, kill the last boss, finish it, but. Uh, I've gotten to a boss, which, after what what uh, John Blanco told me, I don't, which I don't, I don't think is the final boss, and that's usually normal. Is what you think is the final boss is not, but uh, I've gotten to a point where I tried to fight him, couldn't even take out his arm, <laughs> and then I was level seventy five at the time, so I'm thinking I need to grind up. To more and then I'll give it a try. I did some research on grinding methods and found one that was interesting that I've been trying to do. It's kind of time consuming. Like it literally take, took me an hour to set this up and actually kick it off right. Because there are certain moves you can do if your players are pepped up. And sometimes just the just the one person pepped up is enough. Sometimes it needs multiple people pepped up. There's one move that requires three specific people pepped up, you know, including you. Uh, the it, when it, when it's triggered, will double the XP, double the gold, and guarantee item drops for monsters that have been defeated. So you trigger that, and then get pepped up again. You know, two out of the three has to be pepped up a second time with a, a, a with a, a different third to trigger off a new ability that will summon three metal monsters. And there's a a random chance that you'll get a liquid metal slimes and metal king slime, and they give you a ton of XP. So the the first time that actually worked for me at, at this, I was you know. Mid to upper seventies. No, all my characters had between three and a half and four million XP total. So, and the metal king slime ran away, so I just killed the two liquid metal slimes. But the XP from those, plus the the b- double bonuses, plus the items that dropped and everything, still gave me about a half a million of XP per character. And wow, everyone, everyone leveled up 
three to six times. I've only so I've only been able to do that twice so far. So when I go get back to it, I want to keep trying this, try to get into more into the closer to the nineties, and then I'll try the the end fight again. So there's I've done all the side quests that I can do in the game with the exception of that boss. And there's two side quests that I haven't been able to beat yet because one of them actually re- requires you to kill all the, all the creatures in a turn with two people five times. And if you can't, if you at turn ends and there's less than three monsters on the board, more can spawn. So I haven't figured out the, what needs to be done yet to, to do that. But hmm. so I, I've almost done everything I can do in the game. And uh, wow. in 120 hours. Sheesh. <laughs> yeah, talking about, talk about squeezing some enjoyment out of the game. That's awesome. Um, I've been playing a couple of games um, that are, have not released yet for Nintendo Switch, and I can talk about both of these, thank goodness. Uh, the first one is one that you can watch my review for over on our YouTube channel. Uh, it is called Hypercharge Unboxed, and it is a... Brand new to the Nintendo Switch first-person shooter slash tower defense game that uh, looks like you're in uh, Small Soldiers or Toy Story, uh, the movie. Uh, you play as a toy who are, is is tasked with defending three hypercores from an onslaught of like wind up robots and tops and other kinds of toys. And you do that by building defenses around them. Uh, and also uh, you have a weapon and melee attacks you can use as well. And it is super fun. We, uh, Justin and I played it uh, last week, one night to um, we did a video on it to, to show off the multiplayer that's on our uh, YouTube channel as well. And it was, it was super fun. Like it's, it's fun enough to play uh single player, but like multiplayer is really where it shines. Cause you're like both on the same map and, you know, it's, it's, co- it's co-op. So you're not like trying to send forces against each other. You're like all together, you know, against this advancing horde of enemies and waves. Uh, and there's, I don't know. It's just a lot of fun. It, it it definitely nails the look of of like being a toy. And there's um, two of the maps I've played on. One of them is like a, a back store, like a uh, like a storage room in the back of a store uh, where there's like racks and toys, toy boxes, and other cargo and stuff everywhere. And then one of the maps is called Number Two. And it's in a bathroom <laughs> and yeah. And uh, it's, it's pretty fun. And like, there's some parkour elements as well, like where you have to climb all around the map and pick up coins so that you'll be able to build more defenses and stuff. Music's great. The graphics just totally nail it. Uh, the only thing that kind of took away from it for me. And I talked about this in a review is there's a couple of weird choices for button placement. Uh, but they're going to add a ton of content and they're super open, uh, to, uh, to like people talking about what they love about the game and what they didn't like about the game and how that can be fixed or, or changed. And so, uh, they've got a big roadmap for the game. That's going to be free updates in February, March, April, and May. 
uh, adding new characters and new maps and new modes. And I, I just think it's super good. Um, and that comes out on January the 31st uh, on Switch for $20. And then I've also been playing uh, an indie game that I was super excited about when they showed off on uh, one of the last uh, Nindy Directs. And that is Scaleboy, which is an, an action-adventure RPG uh, kind of in the Zelda vein, kind of um, reminiscent of, of that type of game. Uh, but you play as a skeleton who gets resurrected by accident during the zombie apocalypse in this kingdom. And he becomes the hero of the game. And you run around and you kill enemies. And as you kill enemies and as you make choices, you get body parts that you can like augment yourself with. So you can get like a knight's helmet or a king's crown or different weapons and different things. And uh, just, it's super charming. It's, it's, it's a very funny game has lots of, lots of humor in it. Um, and the, the music is really good. I'll, if you like chiptune music, it's, it's some great music, but uh, you can go check that out. Uh, we'll be putting up a review uh, video of that this week. Uh, this coming week as the game gets ready to launch on the 30th. And I'm like, I think you don't need to miss Skellboy if you're a fan of Zelda and games like that. Um, lots of exploration and secrets and things fun. It's actually pretty challenging as, as well. So, uh, the art style is really cool too. It's kind of like a cross between Minecraft and Zelda in a, in a way. Um, it has a very unique look. It's almost like Paper Mario, like 2D. But the environments are 3D, and they automatically kind of rotate and scroll as you go, um, as you go around. So I don't know. I just I would encourage you to check out our footage of it, or check out some other reviews. Um, Skellboy is the name of the game. Guys, let's dive into our community spotlight as we get ready to finish up the show. <laughs> Our guest this week on the show is Patreon producer Sean Abbott, and uh, he's been with us for a good little bit now, uh, contributes to the community over on Discord, and we wanted to, to take a minute and shine the spotlight on him before we head over to Patreon for your comments and questions, as well as other things that we've gotten in our email and this week. So, Sean, tell us about you. Tell us uh, where people, where they can find you, how they can interact. Just the, the, the floor is yours. <laughs> nice. Um, well, I'll start with where you can kind of find me. Um, I have got a account on Twitch. I don't do much streaming on there, but I am. Once we've got better broadband, I am looking to uh, get into trying to stream our online games because I do a lot of Grand Theft Auto online, and the Diamond Casino heists that have started seems to be taking over the uh, the launch there. But um, uh, where else can be found? Just on usual Instagram, Facebook. If you Google me, you'll either find the photography company that me and the wife run, uh, or me. Um, a little about myself. Um, I've been a big Nintendo fan since I can remember. I think 1991. My dad brought me the NES for Christmas. I think I can recall an old photo that my <laughs> somewhere holding this big box in not very much pyjamas uh, Christmas morning. Um, from then on, it's kind of been a 
a family thing that we always used to do. So um, as we got on and, and like got into the N64 era, um, my dad used to take control. I used to count the the graphics. So if you needed to be so many squares back before we performed the triple jump, I did that while my mum worked on the puzzles and it was kind of like a family theme thing. So I've always been a big lover of Nintendo and it being a family-based kind of arrangement. Um, this is where I start spinning out. Other than that, I'm, I, I'm a, an operator at our local power plant. So been quite busy working shifts. I used to, at the place I used to work at, I used to get quite a bit of free time on an evening to, uh, to, I used to take the switch in, used to dock it, we'll have a little screen on the desk, used to play on there, used to, I've got the mini, both the NES and the, the NES and the SNES classics. Um, so I used to take those with me, that used to be fun playing it with fellow colleagues and things like that. But yeah, it's kind of like, the new job I'm in is very, very busy. It takes up a lot of uh, a lot of time. We've got a lot going on, and at home, three kids, a cat, and a dog. So it's very busy at home as well. So we don't get much time to uh, to play. But when I am, it's I tend to be on the Xbox at the moment, which is not massively great for my Nintendo playing. But there's not a lot other than Luigi's Mansion Three that I've got left to finish on there. So I'm waiting for some new games. So the leak of a new Metroid game is quite good. That means that if that comes forth and gets released, I'll get any news on that. I'll be eagerly awaiting that because it means that I can sit in my beanbag, handheld, headphones on, and play away with the Switch. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, so, I still have three vouchers I have to spend before July, so hoping for some announcements for games I care about. I really hope that they announce some games for you. <laughs> and you're not like using it on Picross, you know, S T N or whatever. Well, I wouldn't be able to, but uh <laughs> I'm sure I'll find something. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure that, yeah. Worst case scenario fun. I'll I'll add something to my backlog, but uh hoping for something new. There you go. There you go. Uh and Sean, how long have you been listening to the show? Um oh, wow. I Early 2018, I think I started listening. Um, it was a. I'm trying to think how I came across it now. I think, I think it was a social media post. I think it was advertised social media post. Um, obviously, because I've been looking at a lot of Nintendo stuff with the Switch. Um, you know how everything always seems to be listening or following what you're looking for. I think it came up on that. Um, it's the first podcast I ever really gave a good, a, a good listen to. Yeah. Um, enjoyed the, the banter that you guys have between each other, but also the honest and open reviews. You get a lot of, obviously a lot of people that review things that really plug the game because they're endorsed by the people that are giving them the games to, to review where, the Nintendo guys don't seem to do that. You seem to get you'll tear a game to pieces if you think it's absolute not worth the time and effort. But then also if it's really good, like Skill Boy, I've just jotted down. I'm gonna have a good look at that because that sounds <laughs> very much something I like. Um, it's the honest and open reviews and then the laughs and the jokes about the parenting and basically nice real people to talk to and listen to and um, 
So yeah, it used to get me through quite a lot of night shifts listening to the podcast because that's when I tend to pick them up is when I'm either at the desk on the computer or driving to and from work. Um, so I thought I'd sort of back you guys on the Patreon. Um, then obviously the Discord, that community is great. It's fantastic. It's a nice place for a, a little bit of a rant if you're having a bit of a rough day or a rough week, but also just the back and forth between who's playing what, what you're playing, the helps and hints and tips for certain things. Um, it's just yeah. a yeah, fantastic <clears throat> community to be. But, yeah, I, I I tell people all the time that I'm I'm very very proud of the community that we've been able to build uh, through this podcast and through the just you know social media people who talk to us over there people who talk to us at Patreon on Discord and different things like that. Um, I was just saying to just among the dads uh, this week, you know that whatever we have to do to keep it this the community that we have right now, which is like we really don't have any like toxic things going on or people that complain all the time or things like that. We want to keep that and we want to like, you know, focus in on that and, and and we got to do what it takes to keep that. And so we're glad that you're part of our community. We're proud you're part of our community. We want to thank you for supporting us. And thanks for being on the show uh, tonight. Uh, and so what we're going to do right now is we're going to turn the spotlight to a few of your questions and a few of your topics that you wanted us to talk about I want to go over here to Patreon and pick up this topic from Third Strongest Mole and uh, get your thought on this. And Jesse, I feel like this one is like right at you. Uh, here's what he writes. He says, um, what do you guys think about indie devs imitating slash springboarding off of Nintendo franchises? A la Wargroove, Bug Fables, Tim Tim, and other games like that. Uh, do they have a place alongside those series, or do they only exist because the big N hasn't been using their franchise as well? Would you like to see more releases along those lines? And to kind of dovetail with that, um, Mecha Dragon wrote in, and I believe he's talking about Tim Tim here, and he says, yeah. uh, how far does inspiration have to go before it becomes flat-out imitation? And he says, you, you you probably already know this, but there's an MMO everyone's playing right now that the devs deem an inspiration, quote unquote, from Pokemon, but some still call it a Pokemon ripoff. How much of the material can you take away from the original source before you become a copycat? So I think these kind of dovetail together, and I want to hear your thoughts on this, Jesse. Okay, well... Yeah. History has shown us you can't necessarily patent a gameplay aspect. Uh, I think like the first big, like actually went to court and lost was like Street Fighter Two and Clones. So as long as it's not, you know, it's not as long as it's not like a, a Crazy Kong, Donkey Kong type of of it's just a, a palette swap. Not it's the same thing. As long as you're doing something that's adding something new to the game even if it's the, the fundamental similar gameplay but something is noticeably different it's allowed so sometimes pe people skirt the line sometimes they, it's blatantly obvious I think you know another recent example would be uh, PUBG was popular Fortnite came along PUBG's trying to sue Fortnite for stealing 
what we've done, but that none of that has ever worked out because Fortnite has done so many things separate, you know, very unique art style, building aspect, and, and amongst other things, you know, you know, the, the, like they they pretty much they didn't invent it, but I think they've perfected it. The season pass, which other games then have started copying. <laughs> So I I, I uh, we're on the, this Pokemon game. I heard of it. Uh, I I didn't hear if it was actually released already or if it's something that's coming out. So I haven't had a chance to try it for myself to know if it if if the, this adds anything that's unique or not. You know, the fact that it's an MMO kind of helps because. While there has been other fan-made Pokemon MMOs, there hasn't been an official one. But you know, other than the MMO, if the game is basically Pokemon with a new monster set, yeah, that's probably really skirting that line of of being a, a copy. But again, they still made new assets. They had to create different monsters, name them, give them moves. You know, if the fundamental gameplay is probably may still be the same, but they've done enough that it's not yeah, rip off maybe, but definitely not something that's they'll, they can, they wouldn't get a cease and desist over or they wouldn't lose a court battle over. That's normally more what they care about than what the fans think. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, and I think that's a great answer. Um, like, obviously I would love to see another advanced wars, I had hoped that that's what Wargroove would be, you know, and and I think that Wargroove skirted close to it while still being its own thing. And I believe we call that homage, not, uh, you know, not a ripoff and not a, not a copy, but uh, like, I think another example of this, and it hits kind of close to home because it was a launch title almost for Nintendo switch was fast racing Neo um, by Shinnan was basically F-Zero, right? It was basically brand new F-Zero without being called F-Zero, without having characters and having a little more, uh, I I guess I would call it almost nature-based tracks. Which makes it unique over over F-Zero's normally cityscape tracks. Right. So there is that angle to it, but if Nintendo's never going to do another F-Zero, then maybe they'll do a sequel to Fast Racing Neo. <laughs> and or Fast yeah. RMX, I think, was was kind of a sequel slash upgrade for the Switch, right? Yeah. So yeah, if, uh, if they do the Crypt of the Necrodancer aspect with this, giving them F-Zero and say, play with it, it's great. Yeah, but that's with Nintendo's blessing, right? right. And right, so yeah, definitely can't we use see their it without their blessing, right? Yeah, definitely can't use their assets without their blessing. But uh, but you know, but but this is a case where they did something that's F zero like, but you know, you know, new assets, you know, new as you said, tr- different track styles. You know, it's still a racing, a fast racing game, but enough things are different that it's definitely you know. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's a line between, you know, rip off and something that would lose in a court case. Right. <laughs> but, I, uh, I agree with. That. 
But I, I, I think they, they did enough that it's, it's okay. Yeah. Well, guys, that is episode 264, and we have enjoyed having you hang out with us this week for this episode. As we close, let me remind you of just a couple of things. If you are a patron of the show, the dinner table is returning this week. By the time you hear this, the dinner table will record on the night of January 24th if Tim uh, is done with his family emergency again that we talked about at the top of the show. Uh, we'll be sure to let you know about that, but you do need to reserve your spot at the table and you can do that by sending him a direct message on Twitter or getting with him on the discord server. He would love to have you on uh, at 11 PM central time on the 24th. Also, Again, we mentioned this near the top of the show, Dads After Dark Episode 2 is available right now. It is currently available in our regular feed, but it will be moving extremely soon to its own feed. And the reason for that is we realize Dads After Dark is not the typical family fair that you see here on the show. And we have been very clear and upfront about that from the beginning but again we are moving it to its own feed the only reason it's on our feed right now is because we wanted to get those episodes to you while they were still relevant and fresh john and drew are doing a great job over there so um be sure to uh be sure to go check that out uh and then uh, if you are a $5 and up patron, be sure to leave your Ask Me Anything questions for Justin Masson over on that post that was posted on the 22nd over on our Patreon. Uh, he will be doing a video and answering those questions very, very soon by the end of the month. And the next month, it will be a brand new dad that we pick at random. Heck, it might even be some of you Patreon dads eventually. Maybe John, it may be Drew, who knows? We'll, we'll figure something out. All right. Uh, and so, guys, this has been episode 264. As we close out the show, I want to say a huge thanks to our Patreon producers. Sean, thank you so much for coming on and being a part of the show tonight. And also want to say thanks to Chris Mears, Dave Ernsberger, and Antonio Contronio, as well as Sean, for being producer level. You can go over and join us on Patreon at patreon.com backslash Nintendo Dads. You can go visit our website at nintendodads.org where you can see all of our latest podcast episodes, videos, tweets, social media, our Patreon page, even merch over there at nintendodads.org. You can email us at nintendodads at gmail.com or podcast at nintendodads.org or you can just call in and leave us an old-fashioned voicemail at 929-25-N-DADS. That's 929-256-3237. I want to say a big thanks to OC Remix for the music used throughout the show. And we want to ask you, go to your favorite podcast app or service of choice. Give us a five-star review. Give us some written words. It helps people find the show. If you haven't given us a review yet, we would love for you to do that. You can do that uh, at Apple, Google Play, CastBox, Stitcher, I, anywhere, Spotify. Help people find us by reviewing the show on your podcast service of choice. Guys, for me, for Jesse and Sean, this has been episode 264. We've loved sharing it with you. Hope you have a great time and a great weekend. Bye-bye.
Thank you for listening to Nintendo Dads. Go watch your die, die to soul.